I now can sing since I've been redeemed. I'm on the everlasting, everlasting rock. I faith in Christ, my Redeemer King. I'm on the everlasting, everlasting rock. This is the voice of hope. Then roll, roll, billows roll. I'm on the everlasting rock of ages. Roll, roll, billows roll. Welcome to the Voice of Hope, and thanks for joining me. I'm J. Mark Horst, your friend and Bible teacher. This program, The Voice of Hope, is produced by Heralds of Hope. We're an international media ministry sharing the gospel around the world in 25 different languages. We use radio and print and digital platforms to reach as many people as we possibly can with the good news that Jesus is our Redeemer. So here's the late Alan Parks to sing the song, My Redeemer. My Redeemer, oh, what beauty is In that lovely name appear None but Jesus in His glory Shall the honor title wear My Redeemer, my Redeemer Thou hast my salvation
If you listen to the Voice of Hope regularly, you know we're currently studying in the Old Testament book of Joel. Our study last week was titled, The Valley of Decision. Now, we didn't get to finish that teaching, so we're returning to it today. And if you missed last week's program, simply log on to our website, heraldsofhope.org, where you can listen at your convenience. To continue our study, I will read the text, and then we'll resume our teaching from Joel chapter 3 and verses 9 to 17. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble and come, all you nations, and gather together all around. Cause your mighty ones to go down there, O Lord. Let the nations be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon will grow dark, and the stars will diminish their brightness. The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then Jerusalem shall be holy, and no aliens shall ever pass through her again. The next step then that's laid out for us regarding the events of the last days is the presentation. In verse 14 of the text, Joel raises the loud and prolonged cry, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Now I want you to understand right away that these multitudes are not being called to this valley of judgment to make a decision. No, they've already made their decision to oppose God Almighty. And so the hordes that gather in this valley are there to receive the announcement of God's decision against them. Here God is making the presentation of his decision, and it's unmistakable. I think you'll see that clearly as we continue to move through the text. The Hebrew word for multitude is hamonim, and it's the picture of a confused and turbulent and noisy mob. Isaiah 9.5 uses similar imagery where he introduces the coming prince of peace. You might recall he talks about confusion and noise and garments rolled in blood. Now certainly an army of this size will generate a lot of noise and dust and confusion. And remember, in Hebrew, the repetition of the word Multitudes, multitudes, strengthens the intensity of the meaning. Notice once again with me the appeal to the agricultural scenes here in verse 13. God through the prophet says, The winepress is full and the vats are overflowing during the time of the grape harvest. I believe this picture of abundance portrays the great wickedness of the nations. God's mighty ones, we're introduced to them in verse 11, are commanded to put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. 
And you may recall that the Apostle John saw a similar picture in Revelation chapter 14 and verses 17 to 20. Listen. Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for one thousand six hundred furlongs. At that place, outside the city, in the valley of Jehoshaphat, in this valley of decision, there will be a great slaughter. There the blood will be running so deep that it will come up to the bridle of the horses. The word that's translated decision here can also be translated as trench, and that could refer to the place where the blood will flow so freely. You know, when I think about these scenes, my mind goes back to Genesis chapter 6. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And you know what happened after that. It was the flood of Noah's day. But then, after the flood was over, we read these sobering words in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 21. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. Did you notice what God said? Even after he had cleansed the earth by way of the worldwide flood, he said man's heart is still evil from his birth. So if indeed this battle of Armageddon is taking place at the end of the tribulation period, and if the Holy Spirit, who is called the Restrainer in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7, is no longer functioning in the role that he now has, then you and I can surely understand why God would say that the time was ripe for his judgment to fall on unbelieving humanity. There will be nothing to check the unbridled evil that is raging in men's hearts. And then further, the prophet says these events will lead to cosmic disturbances. The sun and the moon will grow dark, and the brightness of the stars will decrease. That's a reaffirmation of the prediction in chapter 2 and verse 10. And Jesus also said in Matthew 24, 29, and 30, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. At this point in time, it will be too late for those who have rejected Messiah and his rule over their lives. These multitudes in this valley of decision will be presented with God's decision, his decision against them, and their destruction will be complete. So, we have the steps of preparation for the event, 
and the presentation of the verdict against unbelieving mankind. These lead us to the final step. And that final step laid out for us regarding the events of the last days is the preservation. In verse 16, the scene changes. The focus shifts from what God will do to his enemies to what he will do for his people Israel. The Lord will roar like a mighty lion from Zion, and he will utter his voice at Jerusalem. Zion is his dwelling place, and Jerusalem is his city. There are numerous scriptures in both the Psalms and the prophets that refer to the Lord dwelling in Zion. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse 19, the prophet cries out, O Lord, hear! O Lord, forgive! O Lord, listen and act! Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. When the Lord roars from Zion, his voice will shake the earth. The writer of Hebrews concurs with the prophet. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. That's Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 26 and 27. And yet all of this noise and all of this tumult won't threaten God's people. No, instead, he will be a refuge for them. That's what the text says. His redeemed ones will remain because they cannot be shaken. The verb root of refuge basically means to hide oneself. It signifies the fact that the people of God will confidently seek security in him instead of fleeing from their enemies in desperation. God will be a stronghold for his people, a place of protection that's inaccessible to his and their enemies. You may recall in 2 Samuel chapter 5, we read these words about King David. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David and said, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you. They were thinking, David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. And you know, as well as I do, that through the centuries, Jerusalem has changed hands numerous times. But when the king of kings comes to his city, he will become the stronghold for his people, and he will never be displaced. And what is the point of all this? God says, when all of this takes place, then you will know that I am the Lord your God. And here the pronoun I is emphatic. In other words, God is emphasizing his covenant relationship with his people. You know, Isaiah speaks of this time too, with these words, Break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. 
So never again will Jerusalem be trodden under the foot of the Gentiles, because their time has been fulfilled, just like Jesus predicted in Luke chapter 21 and verse 24. The fulfillment of this promise was what Jesus' disciples, the twelve, were hoping for at his first coming. They were hoping he would restore the kingdom to Israel. And then during the time after Jesus rose from the dead, until he ascended to the Father, those disciples were still hoping for that event. In fact, they asked him in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And I want you to notice that Jesus did not rebuke them for their question or their anticipation of this particular event. He just told them that the timing was in the hands of his Father. While in our text today, this time has finally come. As I understand the scripture, this victory over the Antichrist and his demonic forces at the end of the Great Tribulation will usher in the millennial reign of Christ that's predicted in Revelation chapters 19 and 20. Satan will be cast by God into the bottomless pit, and he'll be chained up there until the thousand years are finished, and then he'll be released for one final attempt to go out and to deceive the nations. Listen, and I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. That's Revelation 19, 19-21. God promised that after all of this, Jerusalem would once more become a holy city. No aliens, no unclean persons would ever pass through her again. Everything that could possibly defile the city would be removed. Listen to these words from the prophet Zechariah describing this time. In that day, holiness to the Lord shall be engraved on the bells of the horses. The pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be engraved with holiness to the Lord of hosts. Everyone who sacrifices shall come and take them and cook in them. In that day there shall no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. The full scope of the covenant that God made with Abraham way back there in Genesis near the beginning of recorded human history will finally be completely fulfilled. Contrary to the teaching of many today, God is not finished with the Jewish people. The church hasn't replaced Israel in God's plan. And Paul so clearly points that out in Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. They have merely been set aside until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Listen to what Paul wrote. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. 
So what are you and I to make of all this? What impact does it have on our lives today? Well, first of all, we see that God has been and will be faithful to fulfill his promises. He made an inviolable covenant with Abraham that was based solely on God's name and his character. If you remember that scene, God alone passed through the pieces of the sacrifice, ratifying, verifying that covenant by himself. He promised blessing to the whole world through Abraham's descendants. And likewise, he pronounced a curse on those who cursed Israel and dealt treacherously with her. If God doesn't keep his covenant promises to Abraham and his descendants, then what guarantee do you and I have that he will keep his promises to us? We are Abraham's descendants by faith. We also learn that eventually the day of grace will come to an end. There is a limit to God's patience. The preparations are already being laid for this fateful day. And when it comes, the presentation of judgment will be given, and there will be no hope of escape. God will pour out his fury on the peoples of the world who have rejected his rule in their lives. But at the same time, he will renew his covenant relationship with all those among Israel who embrace Messiah, and he will preserve his people. If you're a follower of Christ, this portion of scripture should stir your heart to pray as Jesus taught us, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then I urge you to make that decision today while there's still time. Is ever in them, but
If you'd like to review this teaching, you may request a complete copy of it. It will include what you heard today, as well as the teaching from the previous program. And it's available either in print or as a digital audio file. Just ask for the teaching by its title, The Valley of Decision. The easiest way for you to contact us is by using our email address. That email address is hope at heraldsofhope.org. That's H-O-P-E at heraldsofhope.org. Or you can call us toll-free at 866-960-0292. Or you can mail your request to The Voice of Hope, Box 3, Breezewood, Pennsylvania, 15533. Again, to review today's program or to listen to archived programs, log on to our website, heraldsofhope.org. Dot org, and listen at your convenience. To help this ministry financially, you can send a check by mail, or you can donate securely online at heraldsofhope.org. You can also call our toll-free number, 866-960-0292, to make a donation with your credit or debit card. God's grace, accompanied by your fervent prayers and your generous financial support, will enable the voice of hope to be on the air until Jesus comes in the air. Now don't forget to join me next week for the voice of hope. And until we meet again, it may be at morn when the day is awaking, when sunlight through darkness and shadow is breaking, that Jesus will come in the fullness of glory. Turn it, hallelujah.